about what's new, cool, and worth talking about in the world of books and reading. This is episode 282. We're recording on Monday, October 15th. I'm Jeff O'Neill. I'm here with Sharifa Williams, the newly minted managing editor of BookRiot.com, coming to you from BookRiot.com. Sharifa, welcome back to the show. It's been a while. Thank you. It has been a while. I think I was last on with Rebecca, yeah. and that was super fun. Right. Um, so because of travel and blah, 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 uh, on Friday, Thursday and Friday, long story short, I was in no condition to record on Friday. So we're coming to you a little bit Monday, hopefully not too late into the Monday of the days today. Sharifa, you got promoted to managing editor. So has, has it been a month? It hasn't been a month yet. Did you start October 1st? Technically, I started October 1st. So yeah, I'm yeah. like midway through my first month. But it what feels like it's been a while. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you've sort of been taking some stuff on over time, right? We've That's been boiling true. the Sharifa frog a little bit. <laughs> That's a nice editor. image. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because not only are you boiling, you're also a frog, uh, a Sharifa yeah. frog. Yeah. I, nice. I like that. That's okay. So what do you do? Do you want to give the what, – what's what does that mean in 90 seconds or, or, or two minutes? Let's see. Like I'm responsible for like the broad oh, – oversight of the content so like mm-hmm. anything about the content on the site um is kind of in my purview now in a bigger way than it was before and i still do a lot of the same things though like i still mm-hmm. handle the instagram account which is like my little creative outlet and um yeah i just do a lot of scheduling talking to the contributors making sure everything's okay with them and um, coordinating things and yeah, yeah. That's, that's a big basically, thing. I mean, maybe one way of thinking about it for those of you who don't understand internet publishing, which is maybe part of me, frankly, I don't know. Does anyone really understand internet publishing? I'm not really sure that they do, I but anything so. that appears on bookriot.com, the URL is kind of ultimately your responsibility, yeah. right? Like that it got there, how it got there, who wrote it, so on and so forth. I guess in the context of this podcast, you are weirdly my boss for (laughs) and things getting on on appearing on the site itself. So weird. Um, Which is is, you know we do have all these weird like sort of uh, filaments of of a hierarchy that that aren't exactly straight lines that move around, but. Also, I mean, you do still do the Read Harder podcast, which is part of Book Ride Insiders, and SFF. Yeah. Yes. uh, Every two weeks with Jen. Uh, Northington. Who, so anyway, congratulations, Reva. Well deserved. Thank you. you know, I'm super I'm, happy. I, have, I don't think I've said to you, even though we live in the same town, we don't see each other <laughs> that often. So here, make this my official personal uh, live to a <laughs> live to tape. Congratulations. Thank you. I'll accept that. <laughs> yeah, you'll accept that. Okay, good. Yeah. All right. Let's do our first sponsor this week. It's The Devil's Thief by Lisa Maxwell. It's the sequel to the New York Times bestselling The Last Magician, also, I guess, would make sense, by Lisa Maxwell. Maxwell. This is a spellbinding series about a New York where magic is dying, and a talented thief, thief with the ability to travel through time goes back to 1902 to steal an ancient book that could save her future. But old New York is a dangerous world ruled by ruthless gangs and secret societies where the very air crackles with magic. Nothing is as it seems and nothing is as easy as Etza had hoped it would be. In The Devil's Thief, time is running out to rewrite history. Full of action, magic, and romance, Six of Crows uh, by Lisa Bardugo meets Passenger by Alex Bracken. That's, that's your comps. That's what we call them in the, in the trade. So that's The Devil's Thief by Lisa Maxwell. Thanks to them for sponsoring this week's show. All right. You know, you, you stepped in for a big news week. I know. Uh, I on the Book Riot podcast that. this week. Yeah. Lots going on. Uh, it's Nobel. Let's, we're going to call this the A block uh, to do Nobel. Um, yes. The alternative Nobel, which we've covered uh, before, most recently talking about uh, Murakami pulling his name out because he had to focus on writing, because being nominated for things is exhausting, as we all know. God, what a terrible. <laughs> Just to be nominated alone. I mean, think of the hours you put in. I Um, did hear your (laughs) theories, and I I totally agreed with some of those theories. It made me so mad because Rebecca's theory was so much better than mine. She had a really great theory. (laughs) And that theory, for those of you who maybe missed next week or last week or or didn't, you know, maybe have forgotten, was that Murakami pulled out thinking that winning the alternative Nobel might, I don't know, ding his chances for for winning the full-fat Nobel. You know, this is the mm-hmm. this is the diet Nobel. He wants to win the full fat Nobel. I have to say, I don't think we talked about this on the show. But can you blame him? 
I don't. I, no. guess I was thinking about this week. Like, it's a cynical reading, but on the other hand, if I were in his position, I think I'd be doing the same uh, the same math. Yeah, I didn't. I don't blame him at all. Like, it, it's his work, and of course, yeah. if he wants to win a certain award, then that's you know that's his prerogative. Yeah, yeah. But the Alternative Nobel um, itself was uh, awarded. Let's see, late last week on Friday. Uh, kind of a weird time to do his news with. Anyway, that's insider baseball. But uh, Guadalupean novelist Maurice Conde has been announced as the winner of the New Academy Prize in Literature. I guess we should technically call it the New Academy Prize, not yeah. the Alternative Nobel, right? It's a one-off award intended to fill the void led by the cancellation of this year's scandal-dogged Nobel Prize for Literature. That's a verbatim read of an article in The Guardian, which I will put in the show notes. Um, I think the I think Rebecca said she thought the smart money was on Conde for this. Um, mm-hmm. We didn't know what... We thought that maybe when Gaiman and Murakami were both in it, sort of the more commercial fame kind of vote might be split. And that, but then once Murakami was out, then it's really, I don't know. I, I think this, I'm not surprised. I'm thrilled. Yeah, um, me too. For, for Okanda. Have you read her at all? I read Aitichuba like in high school. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. Like, Man, your high school was awesome. I think I did. It, it wasn't actually part of the class okay. material, but oh, I was I reading a lot of witchy books even back then. Mm-hmm. So, of course, like when I found it in the library, I picked it up and read it. But it's been such a long time. Mm-hmm. Now this sort of announcement made me think, oh, maybe I should go back and revisit her work because she's an amazing yeah, author. Yeah. I mean, 20 novels. Yeah. Um, Desirada is the one I read in grad school, but I have to say, I've largely forgotten it, except that I, I remember really thinking it was cool. You know, the, the uh, reader's amnesia is real, and I'm here to testify that it's real. Um, <laughs> boy, I could use a reading pathways for this. Ooh, this is that's something a that good idea. On the site. But if only I knew someone who was in charge of um, content at a I big know, internet public. I know, If anyone has any ideas, uh, let us know. Podcast at <laughs> Um Um... I'm 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 thrilled. I mean, to use Murakami logic, does it ding her chances to win the the Nobel? Probably. Who yeah. knows? You know what the Lloyd's of London betting had her on at this point. I, I think that's a great award, and I hope some people uh, go read her books because of this award. Like from my point of view, that's what matters. Uh, I'm sure she wouldn't mind a check for a million bucks or whatever, two point four million krone or whatever the math comes out to be, but. Uh, <laughs> There it is. Um, An interesting uh, process. They did tout that it was more transparent than Nobel, which it it unmistakably is. Yeah. Except the last piece was just as opaque, which is we had four finalists and we didn't get any – do I want – I want like Nixon tapes of them deliberating. I'm not sure (laughs) what it would be, the last thing. But like do you like this process? You know, what did you think of this process? I thought it was a good process for the amount of time they had to pull things together. Mm -hmm. And I liked that they, you know, involved other people's opinions and they involved, you know, librarians and they did have – and I think that they took this off of their site after they changed to a different, more – fancy website but i think initially when i went there it said that they were specifically choosing two women and two men so it was Mm. split in half um for the first round at least so Mm -hmm. i thought that it was i was kind of shocked in a good way that they were able to pull this together so quickly and you know i'm sure that there are other ways they could have gone about it but i think that i'm i'm happy with the way things turned out and i'm happy with the way that things were judged. I have no idea what happened at the end either. So I'm glad yeah. about the result. And I think that that's kind of all that matters. Yeah, me too. I mean, I guess I would like to hear sort of fly on the wall deliberations about choosing between these three yeah. um, finalists. Like, were they, were, they, were they on like a book by book? Like, what level of discourse was it? Like, who they thought, quote unquote, deserved it and what that means, I think would be a fascinating um, conversation to hear, but that's really just uh, me being greedy for the for the back room. 
I mean, they had that article a little while ago about some of the, like, revealing some of the behind the scenes of the yes. man Booker. And I remember, like, one of them was literally a coin toss. So who knows yes. what happened? <laughs> I know. It's, it's, like, it's like, you know, as you get older, you think that the people who understand what they're doing run the world. And really, it's not that at all. Like, this is what you're going to find out about yeah. these kinds of wars. Just like, it. like they, they know what they're doing. But it's, it's not some, you know, they don't have... Uh, the magic literary ruler by which to measure these people objectively and fairly, right? And like, well, this one's a six and this one's a nine, so the nine wins. That's not really how it works. Um, And I think, too, in terms of, you know, this is something Rebecca and I have long talked about, especially in regards to really any kind of award or contest that has an online open voting segment, is you've got a real problem here for a couple reasons. One, there's going to be regression to the mean for any kind of internet scale voting. Well, actually, we'll talk about this when we get to the Great American Read in a minute, mm-hmm. where really it's going to be a popularity contest, rightly or wrongly, right? I mean, and so you're going to get the name. In this case, if if the voting, the open voting, the 33,000 members of the public who had voted for the early sort of nomination, if they voted at the end, Gaiman wins. Like, there's no question, right? Just because yeah. more people have read Gaiman and people... T- it's It's not right or wrong. It's just what it is. So if you want to have... A prize that has a little bit more, I don't even know what you would put it, um, discernment. I'm trying to be valued neutral here. Or a wider lens, right? You have, a, you have yeah. a broader field. You can't do that for the actual awarding of the thing. So that that makes sense to me here. Um, I, I would like to see this be the some kind of a template for the, the full-fat Nobel, the thing that's going to go forward. Apparently... And that's what we call a segue in the business. That was a good segue. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) I would clap if it wouldn't be annoying in the microphone. (laughs) If it wouldn't wouldn't spike out our uh, EQ. Um, (laughs) So in a a turn, a twist, a breaking of the Gordian knot that we elucidated on um, the episode called The Nobel and Crisis of Annotated and have followed since then, the Nobel has um, the Nobel, the Swedish Academy which awards the Nobel through the Nobel Foundation. It's, geez, I, I need like tax returns to follow all the stuff about how, you know, it's like one of these kinds of things. It's complicated. They basically, a couple of the members who had resigned or had withdrawn from participating in the Swedish Academy's committee that awards the Nobel basically decided to saddle up temporarily to vote to install new members. So for those of you who remembered or didn't remember, they had gotten down to 10 voting participating members and their internal statute needed, they needed at least 12 for important votes. So they couldn't even have enough votes to nominate new people to get into enough votes to nominate new people. Um, so they were in a death spiral. Um, they'd fallen below the, the event horizon of the black hole, which is this situation. But two of the people um, who had resigned... They hadn't formally resigned, so they're technically still able to vote. They just said they weren't going to participate. They got on board to vote for new members. So now they have two new members who presumably have agreed to vote for other things. So they don't they, – if they got elected to formally resign immediately, that doesn't seem like we'd get anywhere. But we've gotten to the point where we have enough people that we can get out of this muck. Um, and this was one – avenue that the Nobel, I keep conflating the Nobel and the Swedish Academy, which I should not do. The Swedish Academy could get out of this death spiral. Um, the two new uh, committee members, um, one is uh, Eric Runison, mm-hmm. a Swedish Supreme Court judge, um, an Iranian board novelist and poet, Helia Mossed, that's my guess. I looked for a pronunciation online. I'm so sorry. If someone knows better, I will correct it next week and follow up. As new members seems to me pretty interesting. You know, a, a quick Google searching seems to me to be interesting members. Um, so there we go. Yeah. And there we are. People were, uh, from what I saw, I don't know a lot. I, th- I think it might be Gila Mosayed. Uh, I, I don't know a lot about her work, but right. it seemed like from what I could tell from people's responses, at least with her People were really excited. Because, oh, they were? Okay. I yeah. didn't see any. I'm not on Twitter this much these days, so I'm sure that there's a lot of talk about that. So I, one thing I do miss is the snap takes about this kind of news. So um, thanks for, for pointing that in there. So with this, this does seem to put us on the path to have a Nobel Prize in 2019. Um, maybe the special 
as they've intimated may happen, a double award um, in 2019 to make up for 2018. Presumably the money is sitting there um, yeah. for the 2018 award. Uh, so there we go. Yeah, it'll be interesting if they change some of the process or what they do. Like, yeah. I, I'm really curious about who's even going to be, you know, nominated for it or yes. who's going to win it and how they're going to go about, like, publicity and everything yeah. for it. There's no way they're going to be able to avoid, like, everybody talking yet again yep. about right. all of the things that happened this year. I hope that... This this sort of um, getting, you know, getting enough, getting escape velocity of members that they can make, they can go forward is not just a returning to the status quo. Yeah. Of you know, I, I hope this will initiate the ability to vote in some changes about the process. You know, this they've got to take care of this. You can not participate, but not resign. Garbage situation it's too that got us here. Complicated and ridiculous. Yeah. Like it. This is. Absolutely the illustration that uh, it did not work. It does not work, and it's no, not something it that's work. sustainable. So they, I can't imagine that they won't make some changes to get out of a future situation like this yeah. and not have to completely postpone everything all over again. Hopefully nothing like this ever happens again because <sighs> this particular situation is, like, heinous and horrible. Um but, you know, mm-hmm. they have to put some sort of safeguard into place if they don't want to have to deal with this in the future. Yeah, I hope they have the, sort of the heart attack survivors. You know, that the, it's, I've seen it uh, personally. I mean, I haven't had a heart attack, but people in my life that have a heart attack, like, there's, oh, my God, it's a wake-up call. Right? Yeah. Like if I want to keep – I want to stick around for a little bit longer, i got to make some changes. Um, maybe not donuts for every meal. Just two out of three, something like that. I don't know. Personally, I don't know how you, how you would uh, have any self-control. But I could imagine you know, this kind of situation where you have a near-death experience, you have a close call, and it really provides some clarity and some um, self-awareness about surviving and moving forward. So big, the big news, Nobel all around, um, you know, maybe the kind of a situation where more good than bad will ultimately come out of it, I hope. Uh, yeah. For all the for all the interregnum and, and Sturm und Drang of the of the meantime, maybe we're going to get through this and come out on the other side a little bit better. Let me do another sponsor real quick. We're sponsored this week as well by Curtain Call by Wilfred Lupano. All right. Curtain Call is a character driven crime thriller in the proud tradition of Martin Scorsese and the Coen brothers. Thirty-year-old Vincent's life is spiraling down the drain. He has abandoned the woman he loved and their unborn child. Vincent is ready to finally fix himself and make things right. Maybe like you know the no- alternative Nobel or the Nobel, along with his barfly drinking buddy named Gabby Rocket. He decides the first step is fixing life starts with a bank truck heist. I'm not. I'm not sure that's how this works. Really, you shouldn't fix your life with, with stealing stuff. But anyway, this is thieves' logic. But for Vincent, it's not about the money. He sees an opportunity to do something noble in the midst of this crime that could give his life the purpose it's long been missing. Unfortunately, his buddy Gabby doesn't see eye to eye with him on this. In this award-winning graphic novel written by Wilfred Lupano, the heist is just a framework for an engaging, engrossing set of character studies. Curtain Call is in stores now. From the Magnetic Collection at Lion Forge. That's Curtain Call by Wilfred Lupano. Speaking of um, models of awarding things online that we don't love. Yep. The Great American Read. The ten finalists for The Great American Read came out, and they are uh, in alphabetic order. Charlotte's Web by E.B. White. The Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis. Gone with the Wind by Margaret Mitchell, the Harry Potter series by J.K. Rowling, Jane Eyre by Charlotte Bronte, Little Women by Louisa May Alcott, the Lord of the Rings series by J.R. Tolkien, Outlander by Diana Gabaldon. Is that how you say your last name? I don't know if I've ever said it out loud. I haven't said it out loud either, so I'm just going to go with what you said. (laughs) Yeah, there we go. Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen and To Kill a Mockingbird by Harper Lee. And maybe as boring a list of ten books as we could have guessed. I mean... Yeah, the books themselves, you know, they're they are what they are. People love these books. I even love many of the books on there. But in awarding a book for the Great American Read, it's like Snoozeville two thousand eight or two thousand eighteen. Boy, I'm ten years off. Um, <laughs> and uh, if you're keeping score at home, as I hope you do when looking at lists like this, this is one hundred percent Wonder Bread whiteness here. 
which is not great. Yeah. Um, our gender breakdown is a little bit better. Um, let's see. We've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven women. So, okay. You know, for that. Um, but this is just such a, I mean, I don't know what to say, but it feels like a wasted opportunity to me to do something interesting here at the end. And they had to know, like, because I, I feel like a lot of us knew going into this and hearing about the process that this is the list that we were going to get. We all knew that. You know, if it's by popular vote, so much of this stuff is like, I can just picture people just trying to recall books that were yes. like considered quote unquote important from their high school reading mm-hmm. or from their school reading or whatever. And just choosing like the top of mind book, not really considering. And yeah. I'm, I was 100% not surprised by this list. 100% not surprised that it was all white. Mm-hmm. Um, but still like with everything, even if, when you expect a list like this, it's still disappointing. Like I right, see lists right. like this all the time and I'm disappointed every time. Yeah. Every time. I mean, I, I don't want to try to spin it as a positive, but one thing that's interesting to me is how genre dominant it is. I mean, this is true. Middle grade fantasy, uh, romance. I mean, Little Women is middle grade. I don't know. I'm bad at this. I'm bad at this kind of thing. Um, yeah, I can't even. I think middle grade or early YA. Pride and Prejudice is a romance. Outlander is a romance. Little, uh, Lord of the Rings is clearly fantasy. Little Women. Really the only one. I mean, maybe I'll, maybe I'll take a small a small um, consolation in this. I think there's really only, well, Jane Eyre. Do people call that a rom? I don't know. Really the only. There's. There's not a straight-ahead literary fiction title on here. There's no Gatsby, right? That's there's no, true. Uh, Don Quixote. I'm just trying to think. You know, there's no uh, Farewell to Arms, anything like that. I think that is interesting. That the books people love are written by white people and not sort of straight-ahead lit fic art writing, which I think is interesting. Yeah, and I don't even know if it's these are books that people love necessarily. Like, I feel like these are books people think about or have heard a lot about or have read. Yeah, have read in their past, and these were the ones that they pulled out of their brains. And Mm -hmm. I mean, it's interesting. There isn't anything like super recent on the list, of course. So. No, I, I mean Outlander. Does it have a does it have an installment that's later than Deathly Hallows? I, I don't I don't know the the, the timing of that. It's true. I guess with series, it's a little bit yeah. like these more recent series. Mm-hmm. They still count as you know contemporary fiction or whatever. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to say about this. Like I feel like I was never interested in the Great American Read. Like the name I itself been is sort of like. Oh. Okay. I, it's something we should be interested considering what we do and who we are. I, I mean, know. <laughs> I haven't watched an episode of the thing because I was just so like ready for this list to be not interested in it. I mean, Rebecca and I said this at the very beginning. Like, I think if we went back and looked at and listened to the episode we did when they announced this, we I think we predicted what we thought the top ten would be, and we picked like seven of these. That's I think funny. I probably wouldn't have gotten Little Women because I forget about it. You know. Um, to Kill a Mockingbird, absolutely. Pride and Prejudice, absolutely. Lord of the Rings, absolutely. Harry Potter, absolutely. You know, I think I would have. I think I'm maybe surprised that Gatsby. I, I think if I would, I would have swapped out Gatsby for Gone with the Wind. Not in terms of preference, just in terms of. I forget that book. That's a book that a lot of people have read. It's not just like a movie museum piece. Like that book is yeah. still read a lot, and people love that book. Um, or even The Catcher in the Rye, or something yeah, like that. Yeah, great. Though the worm is turned on Catcher the Rye, I think. Yeah, that's true. Um, and Gatsby still maybe a little bit more. I don't know if if what what book will we be least disappointed? Oh my goodness, <laughs> that's really difficult. Um, yeah. Wow. I don't know. How about this? How about this? What's your favorite book on this list? You know, forget about the external politics and everything we want. Like, do you have one you would pick? Like, what's one is closest to your heart here? I would probably, I'm really split between my problematic fave Jane Eyre and Harry Potter. 
yeah. Harry Potter series. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised at all if the Harry Potter series no. took it. I mean, if we're going regression to the mean theory, availability bias, like what should mm-hmm. most people read, I think, and recent. And I guess availability bias, recency bias combine here to say what have most the most people read most recently? Harry Potter has to be yeah. the, the clear favorite. I think... I mean, none of these are super interesting picks. I, I like Pride and Prejudice better than any book on this list myself. Um, you know, I think it's great. a more subversive book than people maybe think at first blush. Uh, so I'll go with that. It's a romance. It's 200 years old. I'll take that. Jane Austen uh, is a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> people may have heard of her, Jane Austen. Here and there. You know. <laughs> I was, we were, um, I think it was Anna did the list of the 30, uh, 30 women who had debuts over 35. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. And what J- Jane Austen's biography is super fascinating, but she wrote a lot as a young woman, but really didn't get published. I think until she was like 39, 40. Yeah. It took um, a while. And it was anonymously and it was sensitive. There's a, I should save it. Save it for an annotated Jeff. Shut up about it right now. <laughs> I, to hear this. I love around. Jane Austen, so I'm like fascinated. You in for that by one? Maybe you have to come it. on board and help me do that one. Yeah, I don't I know what totally I need. Help. I need an angle on that. Um, but anyway, there's your series. So vote for daily for your favorites through Thursday, October 18th. And remember, there are four ways to vote: online, social, hashtag SMS, and toll free. It's it's boy, boy. Talk about the full spectrum of like recent voting technologies. You know, the William Gibson is the future is here. It's just not evenly distributed. Also, the past is here. It's just not like who's calling a toll free number? That's <laughs> 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 sort of crazy. Across the uh, demographics, I suppose there could be you know, grannies might be out there. You know, sure, yeah, sure. Yeah, no. I mean, it's calling. there. They have it. Yeah. Well, I never got into like American Idol voting, but was that texting? Was that like the first round of? Um, I think it was texting. Yeah, I yeah. remember those. Like, I don't know what it was, like the six-digit numbers or whatever that you yeah. called in. I did not watch a lot of those. No, I, I'm just trying. I think I, I remember think, even yeah. just the promos, like voting for your favorite. You texted in with a special number. Um, I anyway, feel like social is the way to go nowadays. But. Go forth and be meh about the uh, <laughs> great American. <laughs> Uh oh boy boy where did we 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 saved the interesting news but now and now we're into the sad news. Mm. I, I need to be careful here for reasons that will become obvious. Um, Stephen Elliott, who was the um, one time was it editor founder of the Rumpus. I'm not sure. I think he was like a co-founder. If I can co-founder remember of correctly. the Rumpus, which is a it's more of a it's a online literary publication. It's a little more poetry and litfic than someone like us would do. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's from New Orleans and he is suing uh, Moira Donegan, the creator of the sh- the shitty media media men list, which uh, we've also talked about on the show. Basically, it was a Google Doc um, that Moira put together. With the express purpose of letting other women in media warn each other, essentially, about men they may want to have their, I mean, look, women have their radar up about all men, but maybe especially, you know, like shields full front to use Star Trek parlance um, with these particular dudes. Yeah. Um, is that a fair characterization of the list? I realize I'm just now freestyling the d- description. Is, is that our common understanding of what that list was for? Yeah, and I think she – well, she mentions, like, I, I believe there was, like, a moment of clarification where she did come mm-hmm. out and say um, what she intended it for. And she did say in this article, uh, she's quoted as saying that the hope was to create an alternate avenue to report this kind of behavior yeah. and warn others without right. fear or, of retaliation, which totally makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, like – it just is so – frustrating because i don't know what kind of precedent this is going to set um and i'm really concerned about the fact that this is even happening and this yes me too court of law yeah me too um so elliot was named i should say um and he's suing for 1.5 million dollars in damage in the eastern district of new york which covers new york city proper uh, he also intends to sue other women who contributed to the Google spreadsheet, um, which is also really disturbing. Um, Elliot intends to subpoena the Google metadata for the list in order to attain this information, which is maybe 
it's all chilling. Um, yeah, it's frightening. Uh, like, I, I don't, I don't know what we can and can't say here because he's clearly a litigious person. There's a lot of, uh, in, in the more cerebral moment, there's a lot of interesting undiscovered law around the internet swirling at the heart of this, right? Google, it's a Google spreadsheet. Yeah. Right? Is Google culpable? For, is, why would Moira be more culpable than Google for hosting this spreadsheet, if anyone's culpable at all? Um, I know very little about the standard it needs to, ri- to, to meet to be considered liable, which is what they're suing under. My understanding is that it needs to be knowingly false information. And I think that's where this gets interesting. Yeah. Um, like, I don't know how they would, I don't know how they would come up with whether or figure out whether or not it is liable without like bringing these people in. And the thing is like, one of the many concerns is we, we all know it's already difficult for people, for victims to come forward. Like how much more difficult is it going to, is this going to make it knowing that this is a thing that might happen to them and that they might have, you know, their lives turned upside down Mm -hmm. by something like this. Um, Having their identities revealed and who knows, like maybe their names will get out into the media probably. So it's really, it's really worrisome and it is very squicky. It's very squicky. And you know, you know what you want to do if you're interested in rehabilitating your name as a non-shitty media dude is what you do is you go ahead and sue the woman. Um, that's going to help yeah. the image, I think. I think it's going to really help uh, resuscitate his career and get him uh, back on the straight and narrow. My guess, I don't know if this is cynical or realistic or what, is this is never going to make it to court, um, that there will be some sort of settlement if only, I mean – if only to keep it out of court. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I know that Moira Donegan has a, a crowdfunded legal defense fund. As of last week, it already reached $80,000. Um, I'll try to find a link to put in the show notes if any of you, like me, are interested in donating to that Absolutely. in any way. Um, and they, I guess, they did have uh, some background about the attorney, which yes. is another aspect of this which is that the Mm. attorney is one of those lawyers who makes a habit of representing men who are accused of sexual misconduct and he defended a bunch of college students in these sorts of situations and you know he's been an advocate of repealing title nine like there is definitely some complexity and some background to this whole court case and why it's even happening. And some of that stuff is really difficult to get into. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, he's a high profile lawyer is how he's described here. Making a name for himself, defending men accused of sexual assault is what the article says. So yeah, this is, um, we got to get off this cause it's gonna make me yeah. sad. It's going to make me, um, Sangry, which is sad, angry. I think that's I, a good that's, word. That's a, that's a familiar 2018 feel. Um, it's a big mood. Uh, it's a big mood. I can never use big mood properly. Like it's like it's like <laughs> I'm one of those people that can um, like understand a language but can't speak it. Right? Like, yeah. So like when someone says, I'm like, oh, big mood, I get that, but I can never deploy it um, accurately. There you so go. You. There you go. <laughs> that is example. a yeah, sangry is a big mood for 2018. Um, yeah, let, let's move on. All right. Uh, let's move on. We thought I, I, we, we didn't want to talk. We, I even sort of, <laughs> Shreve and I sort of pre-gamed a little bit about it. Too. It's like, we've yeah. got to talk about a little bit, but it's very difficult to talk about. Um, but we thought if you hadn't heard about it by now, it was incumbent upon us to um, pass that along. Yeah. Let's do something. Let's talk about socks for a minute. Socks sounds like a yeah, well, fun thing. Everybody likes socks. This week's episode of the Book Riot Podcast is also brought to you by Bombus. Thanks to two years of research and development in multiple improvements in design, performance, and comfort, Bombus are the most comfortable socks in the history of feet. I never really thought about the history of feet. I don't know if um, I want to think about the history of feet. Yeah, you know, I think feet is like very, there's strong feelings about feet. Let's put it that way. The whole internet can explore your strong feelings either way about feet. You don't need us to tell you about that. 
With an arch support system that provides extra support where you need it most in a cushioned footbed that's reinforced for comfort without added bulkiness, Bombas feels like a hug around your foot. Not to mention, Bombas Stay Up technology ensures your socks stay in place without leaving a mark. And the super soft cotton material makes you never want to take them off. Whether you're a runner, power walker, or power lounger, there's a power pair of Bombas that'll add comfort to your life. I got. I, I have to say, I'm wearing some right now. They are they comfortable? They, they, they are. I tell you what. So I live the Portland slouch life. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yes, I absolutely you do. do. Tell me what that is. Tell the people what the, the slouch life is. Is it just like the sort of... Well, I feel like the slouch life relates to the fact that everybody is like a work-at-home person. And they yes. just have their like pajamas on. And they look like yes. college students at all times. Yes, right. And, and the weather, especially when it's getting toward winter... And spring lends itself to sort of baggy layers that you can get wet and take off and everything else like that. Hard to dress to the nines for a lot of the year here in Portland. Let's put it that way. You dress to like the threes um, (laughs) at most. So, but what I, but I also like to run. I like to play basketball. I walk my kids. I ride my bike and I can wear them all day. I got the athletic ones. So the ones, you know, just peek out over the top of your tennis shoes. Oh, I hate I've. I, I like them for a variety of reasons because when I'm running or whatever, I, I can wear them running. I wear them running around. They're great. Um, I have to say, they say in, in the notes, they say like, I threw away the rest of my socks. Well, I didn't do that, but I threw away the rest of my athletic socks. So I can wow. wholehearted recommendation there. That's excellent. And Michelle even saw them and she's like, I might need to get some of those. So there there's, my, there's my personal experience with Bombas. They're really great. I really do think they're fun. I can, the ones I recommend, just because there's ones I've worn, are like the athletic peek over your uh, ankle kind of one. So there you go. Go to Bombas.com. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash Book Riot. And use code Book Riot for 20% off your first order. I might have already used it myself or some other stuff. I, I can't tell you. <laughs> um, that's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash Book Riot. Code book right one word to get twenty percent off. There'll be a link in the show notes. Thanks for them to sponsoring this week's show. All right, um, this is follow up. I should have had this in the follow up spot. Um, Amazon gives workers another pay bump to make up for lost bonuses. Uh, in the push me pull you, he said she said of the big fallout. A reaction to Amazon's decision to raise their minimum hourly wage uh, wage to fifteen dollars. Um, one of the things we found out is that they were going to get rid of, or they did get rid of cash bonuses and other kinds of incentives, including like you get an issuance of a couple of uh, shares of stock on your first anniversary. Um, they actually changed some workers, alley raises from $1 to $1.25. They boosted a little is all I'm saying. Mm. Um, and added cash bonuses for tenured milestones every five years. It can be 1500 to $3,000. Um, so that's that's what they're saying there. I just that's follow up just to I guess this is I guess why do we care about this one? A lot of you know Amazon is the single largest purveyor of books. Yes. And as we think about ethical book buying and book buying decisions and where we feel comfortable sending our dollars, we want to know does Amazon do the right thing behind the URL essentially. Um, behind those brown boxes we get in the mail are things okay? Do we feel good about what's going on there or not? And this is information to help you decide how okay you do or do not feel about shopping with Amazon. Yeah, and it's such a divisive thing, Amazon. Yeah. Like, I mean, it, there are so many services and there yeah. are so many things it gives us. But they're also, like, I feel like they know that they have to sort of tread carefully because they're yes. in the news a lot for things like... You know, people questioning how their mm-hmm. practices are in terms of how they treat their employees and mm-hmm. like going into communities and, you know, having their warehouses there. And I feel like they like it makes sense that they changed some things and they modified some things because that is their PR needs to kind of change yeah. for the better. I mean, I mentioned on last uh, was it last week's show or the show before we talked about the change writ large, and yeah. you know, I was like, outside of the Amazon move, one thing it does bring to mind is what do you and do you not know about where the other places you get your books treat their workers, right? I mean, yeah. one thing you just intimated is that size, Amazon size brings scrutiny, which can be good, right? Because scrutiny is like, this is screwed up. You need to raise the wages or change the conditions or don't let 
you know, the, you know, let people go if they say they're injured, you know, let people off if they say they're injured, stuff like that. And it brings to mind, you know, a whole host of other questions you might consider asking about where else you get your, and, and not just your books, your other things at all, right? Like, I don't know what the working conditions are at a Barnes and Noble distribution warehouse, or, you know, I was saying last week about independent bookstore workers. Are you super happy with the treatment of the workers in your local indie? Do you even ask the question, um, is it reasonable or do you think it's reasonable for yourself to apply scrutiny to Amazon and not apply scrutiny to the place that you like better for non-worker related reasons, right? Some, sometimes people want to ding Amazon for reasons that aren't about the workers pay, but they use workers pay as ways to ding them. This is, I'm not trying to make a case for anyone to make any decision about one thing or another, except that if you want to care about thinking where your books come from, it's a compli- it's a, it's a really hard issue. It's super hard. Like you and I love Powell's, right? Yes. Do we know what the warehouse workers at Powell's make? Do you? I don't. No idea. <laughs> no idea. And is that cool? I mean, is that is that responsible of me? I, I it's, I've gotten thinking. I've I've gotten to think about. It. I want to write something about it, or maybe do something more about uh, an informal poll of um, you know bookstore workers, and you know, it's just the whole the whole situation. Um, I mean, it's is fast- thinking about. It's fascinating, and I think that there are people who are a little bit more like tuned in and they know where their stuff is made mm-hmm. you know and they know about the working conditions of the places where they buy things but i think the general public is predominantly not that clued in to how yeah. people are being treated at the places where they buy their stuff so i i definitely agree with that amazon just happens to be one of those big companies like huge yeah where you know, you kind of can't avoid asking the question, especially no. since they're like kind of taking over everything that mm-hmm. involves getting products. And, you know, I like I can see why they're getting so much attention for this. Oh, I, it, it makes be... perfect sense to me. I'm glad they are, frankly. Yeah. I mean, I was I was, you know, at the local grocery store the other day, Fred Meyer, and I was thinking about it in context of Amazon, like I was, you know, putting taking stuff off the shelf and putting my cart. You know, I had like probably fifty different products from who knows how many different companies. I was like, do I really expect myself to know the working conditions of all of the companies that of all the stuff I buy? Yeah. And I was a little uncomfortable with my gut reaction to that answer, <laughs> which was no, right? Like I where my pepper comes from and all these things, like. But with Amazon, at least, that consolidation of attention means that maybe I can feel better about shopping on Amazon just because I know what goes on there. I, I don't know. Maybe that's another way of thinking. At least I know that everyone there is making at least 15 bucks an hour. Can't be said probably of the people picking the grapes I just bought this morning. Yeah. I, I don't know. I yeah. think it's a good – these are these are good moments to kind of – that yes. remind us to check in with ourselves about whether we're even considering yeah. what's going on out there in the big industry and considering what we purchase and what we support by purchasing things. Like it's a good reminder um, mm-hmm. at least. Yeah, that, and I don't know that – I'm prepared to say anything other than what you just said. Like, this is a good moment to check yourself yeah. about your, your, your high horse. Um, is your high horse standing on a, a uh, abused goat or something? <laughs> you know, I don't know. I don't know what else might be uh, what the metaphor, the, the uh, animal husbandry metaphor is eluding me at the moment. Um, let's talk awards. Okay. Finish out on people getting awards, getting some wreck. It's a positive um, note. For their work. Uh, MacArthur Genius. Um, sorry. MacArthur Fellows. <laughs> <laughs> right, because it's not technically genius. That's that's what people call them. But oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, right. That's MacArthur, MacArthur Fellows. Fellows. So every year, um, the MacArthur Foundation gives dollar 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 bills to twenty five fellows. Um, I think it's about a half million bucks dispersed over five years. Um, and I the list I think writ large is always fascinating to see because there's a lot of work that I don't know about in. Not For my sure. field, which is very narrow as it is, and even my knowledge of my own field is pretty limited. But then, see, like what what's going on in analytical chemistry, right? Uh, what's know. going on in uh, what's going on in violinist? There's VJ Gupta is a violinist and social justice advocate. It's very cool. Like get that guy to be on the Dos Equis ads for most interesting man in the world. That is right. <laughs> um, in painting and writing, so we tend to pay attention to the more literary. Um. 
uh, nomin- or awardees, I should say. And there were four that jumped out. The one that's probably the best known, and even that is not super well known, is Kelly Link, um, who mostly writes short stories that are – I mean, I, she, I think she would be cool with us calling them weird. Right? They're, they're definitely weird. weird. There's, they're yeah. definitely under the speculative, weird, yeah. umbrella, magical, realist, fabulous sort of mm-hmm. umbrella. Yeah. Um, but then also um, a playwright, Dominique uh, Morisseau, um, won an award this year. John Keane, who's a writer, more of a nonfiction scholarly bent. Um, interesting. I looked at his bio real quick. And then Natalie Diaz, who I, I in, in being excited about Kelly Link, I, my eye didn't catch her. Um, she's a poet um, from oh, yeah. Arizona State University. And she also writes about, you know, um, experience as a, a Mojave American Latina, but she, you know, my brother, her first collection, which I especially call out in the MacArthur citation was when my brother was an Aztec. Um, sounds like that would be the one to check out. Um, I'll put a link in the show notes to her. A recent poem they shout out as American arithmetic about police violence against Native Americans. Um, and the first water is the body written in honor of the Standing Rock protesters and her own Mojave people. So That's a fascinating, fascinating awardee list. Um, the MacArthur is expressly written and awarded to give people more juice to do what they do. The Nobel, as it happens, tends to be a lifetime achievement award. Like the million bucks, I'm sure a lot of them could use it, but it, they're not going to go out and do another 40 years of work generally, where Natalie Diaz, she's 40. So there's 40. She has 40, hopefully has a 40-plus year ahead of her and this money really can let her do more of what she's already doing so well. And that's one thing I like about the MacArthur award is it's a lot of, it's a life changing amount of money for most of the people who get it here. Um, so go check them out. Uh, any other thoughts about this Sharifa? Did, did you see, do you know any of, I was trying to look for uh, one person I've heard of. On this <laughs> I haven't. I had, I looked through the list and I was like, Oh, I'm going to be so proud of myself if I recognize yeah. somebody other than Kelly link. And, yeah, uh, yeah, like I'm trying to look at it again just to see if maybe I can squeeze out some memory of some of these people. And there's Mm -hmm. absolutely – I am definitely not um, familiar with the world of computer science. No. Classical – contemporary classical music? Like forget about it. I have no idea. I wish I knew these people. I would feel very smart and intellectual and cool. Yeah. If there's one – I mean look, most award lists make me feel like a little bit of shame about my own life. But this is the one where you're like, oh my god. People are so much cooler than I – like I know. I don't get excited about like like real celebrities, like famous celebrities that you'd see in like People Magazine or whatever. This is the list where I'm like, look at these violinists and social justice – I mean, come on. Like uh, psychologists, choreographers, media scholars, sociologists, media uh, filmmakers, planetary scientists. Like how that's the coolest word in the – those are the coolest two words in the world, planetary scientists. Sarah Sarah Stewart I'm looking at now. I love these lists because I think it's really interesting to see – all of these different types of people from all of these yes. different types of fields and they're all like all of their work is rec- recognized as important and i just think it's yes. really cool that you know literature is of course included in that and, mm-hmm. and yeah william there. j barber pastor and social justice advocate like that's I know. what other what other award gives 500 grand for or not 500 grand that'd be a lot more but 500 large um for this kind of award and i don't know tell me if you know, I have my own, um, you know, uh, ra- racial and, and gendered lens I'm looking through. So maybe I'm overstepping here, but also a super diverse list in a lot of different yeah, ways. Yeah, I agree. Like they must. This is not the kind of list that happens by accident. Is that fair? Is that a fair way of putting it? I think so. And they do say yeah. specifically that you know the part of the award is to give support to people who are mm-hmm. addressing the needs, the urgent needs, yeah. it says, of under-resourced communities. So mm-hmm. I feel like that kind of helps them, helps guide the award toward people who might be in more marginalized communities who are 
working to, you know, support their community and uplift their community and empower them. So I think that it's, it's kind of already set up to go in the right direction and to create a diverse list of people. And I, yeah, I was very impressed Mm -hmm. uh, by the diversity of the individuals on this list and all of the amazing things they're doing like i would love to read about the lives of all of these seriously right i want a long new yorker profile of every single one of these yes they should do that you know i've been thinking and and again the 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 racial and ethnic and and gender and other kinds of diversity that i it feels like on first blush expressing this list has been true for the macarthur for the last several years i don't know if we want to historically back and looked i'd be curious Mm, to know yeah Um, also i've been I've been trying to figure out what to do with my my personal Twitter following situation. Like, wh- who do I want to fo- like? What do I a do I want to be on Twitter at all? For any that's you know that's the so what, let's assume the answer to that is yes. Like, what do I want to what do I want that to be? Like, what do, what experience? And it occurs to me now that I could do worse than just following like the last three years of MacArthur Fellows who are on Twitter. You could create a list, and then you don't yeah. even have to look at all the rest of the stuff in your feed. That's you right. Just go to that list, and it go just to that list. MacArthur Fellows, and you'd probably, hopefully, learn a lot and yeah, find some fascinating right. stories. Yeah, I feel like uh, Wu Tsang, a filmmaker and performance artist who's creating new conceptual and visual vocabularies for exploring hidden histories and marginalized narratives and works that collapse the boundaries between documentary and fiction. I feel like that's a good follow for me. That's a good like, follow. I've learned so, <laughs> uh, that's a good follow, assuming um, they're on um, Twitter. But that, that occurs to me. Selfishly, I'm trying to figure out how to uh, you know, light, you know, get a little light out of this candle that these people are, 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 uh, are keeping tended here. I think it's a show, Sharifa. Yeah, that's a good note to end on. National Book Award finalists also were announced. Um, (laughs) For those of you who heard me and Rebecca sort of say, of all the years of ever not to be clued in, uh, super not clued in, (laughs) but it was announced, and there will be a link in the show notes. Um, Personal favorite, I guess Sarah Smarsh for Heartland I'm pulling for. I have the book that I haven't read, but I followed her for a long time. Uh, also, I'm pulling for for personal, uh, you know, I, once once upon a time, I was a sort of marginal Harlem Renaissance scholar. So Jeffrey Stewart's The New Negro, The Life of Elaine Locke, um, sort of the, 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 I don't know, the, pa- the elder statesman of the Harlem Renaissance in the 20s. Uh, I have that book as well, but I'm super pulling for that because that's important work, and I love yeah. that era. So, 100%. That's, do you have any any favorites or any ones you want to shout out? Um, I agree with those, and I am also a big Lauren Groff fan. Aha! Uh-huh. I love her writing. So, yeah, She's Florida, um, Florida, seen it everywhere. I need to read it everywhere. Did Tommy Orange didn't make? I was. Oh ah, yeah, that's a there. surprise. Yeah, they're I was, there. I was that was my front runner, uh, knowing really as little as I ever have about the inner workings of the lit fic world in 2018. That was the one I thought maybe would bubble up there. But there's the list. Um, you can find show notes to this and all back episodes of the Book Riot podcast at bookriot.com/listen. You can email us podcast at bookriot.com. Do we have any special things we wanted people to know? I guess if you had to pick of the ten, um, this. Uh, this American Reads, that's This American Life, but for books, that's weird, though. Uh, <laughs> great American Read, kind of conflating um, our public, uh, public uh, media properties here. I look at that list of 10 and say, which of those is your favorite? I, I would like to know that question. Yeah. That's the only interesting thing I'm interested in at this point. Of our listeners, which of those things would you most like to see when and why? And if you're right and interesting, maybe I'll talk about I won't even be cynical about it. I will earnestly talk about your response to that. Sharifa, you were great, as always. Thank, Thank you. you so much for being on the show this week. Go follow, well, no, no, Twitter, whatever. Sharifa runs our the Book Ride Instagram, so there you can follow there. And l- go listen to SFF, yeah, for those Please of you who like do. Fiction. I'll put a link in the show notes. Go check it out. Talk to you guys next week. Yeah.